Imagine this. You've saved and dreamed for years. You've bought some land, and now you're starting to get ready to build the home of your dreams. You are very excited and have so much anticipation how great it will be. You can almost picture the house in your mind. But the big problem is, where do you get started? Today, we're going to be talking about performance programming. Hi, this is Chris from N3 Architects, and thank you for tuning in to the Home Design Academy podcast. I'm a licensed architect, and I'm here to help your average homeowner understand the complexities of design and construction so that they can make better decisions when they build or remodel their house. And now on to the show. As hard as it might be, I want you to forget about what the house will look like. Forget about everything you've dreamed about. Forget about the kitchen. Forget about the decorations. Forget about the finishes for just a moment. I want to take you through an exercise called performance programming. This will help you determine exactly how your house will work for you, how you live, what makes you unique. This just might be the difference between having a nice house and having a house that is custom tailored to you and your family. If you're not at a desk right now, feel free to listen through, but make sure you come back when you can sit down and write so that we can go through these exercises together. First off, let me give you a few quick examples to get you in the right frame of mind. There's a couple I know. The wife likes to stay up late doing work until about 11 or midnight, but the husband likes to go to sleep early by 9. The husband also likes to fall asleep with the TV on and does so just about every night. The wife likes complete silence when she works. They also do not want to live in a multi-story house and prefer to live on one level. If I was designing a new house for them, I would take this into consideration and make sure that there was plenty of distance and other sound buffers between the master bedroom and the office area. I would not place them next to each other. Example number two, same couple. The husband likes to wake up very early in the morning, like 4.35 a.m. early, why the wife would prefer to sleep until at least 9 or 10, especially on the weekends. There would be a few different things to consider here. First, I would make sure that the master bedroom was on the north or the west side of the house so that the morning sun does not shine into the bedroom. Next, I would locate the master or the primary bathroom with some distance from the bedroom, maybe a buffer space with a closet or something like that, so when the husband wakes up at 4.30, he doesn't bother the wife sleeping. I might also provide a second door from the master bathroom so that the husband does not have to walk back through the bedroom and wake up the wife. I would then place the kitchen on the southeast side of the house to make sure it captures that early morning sunlight for when he's up having a cup of coffee and reading the news. There's another person I know who on the weekends, or whenever they can, would prefer not to set an alarm at all and wake up naturally, and more than anything, enjoys waking up to the sunlight. In this case, I would frame the house design by placing the bedroom so that it captures the sunrise and has very large windows. The opposite type of person, the person who wants complete darkness when they sleep and even complete darkness when they wake up, I would place the bedroom to avoid the morning light. I would also use smaller windows or design some sort of shading structure on the outside of the house to block the natural light in the morning. Are you starting to get the picture? Can you see that thinking and designing your house around the way you live rather than picking a certain style is a much better place to start? You will never get this sort of specific design if you buy a plan online or from a house plan book. Now it's your turn. 
I want you to start by writing and outlining your typical morning routine for both a weekday and a weekend. Now, I want you to be completely honest with what you write down and not idealize what you would like your routine to be. Depending on work, school, and other factors, you also may have several different routines throughout the week. After you outline your morning routine, do the same thing for the evening and then create an outline for the week. I want you to actually write it out by day and time and be as specific as possible, such as Monday, I wake up at 6 a.m., take a shower, and then get dressed. 6.30, I make the kids breakfast. And by 7 a.m., I'm ready for work and leave by 7.15. As you write out each day for the morning and the evening, and then also do the same thing for the weekend, you will start to see patterns. And I want you just to pay very specific attention to the things that you enjoy and the things that you don't enjoy and make notes off to the side about them. If it helps you, try to think about these as writing short stories. You and your family are the characters and write about your lives. Thinking about my family, we have several different routines depending on the schedule for each day. I'll give you a little bit of a highlight right here. My wife likes getting work done at night and then sleeping as late as possible. So I would design a house with the bedroom to the north or to the west side. Me personally, I like to be able to hear the kids when they wake up in the morning. So I would make sure that the kids' bedrooms are close by to the master bedroom. Other people might prefer some sort of separation. There are many days during the week where my wife has to be up and on the road before 5 a.m. and has to get ready for work trying to not wake up me or the kids. Having a dressing area as part of a large walk-in closet would be beneficial. Thinking about these early mornings, I would also locate the bedroom on the first floor with some distance from the kids' bedrooms so that she doesn't accidentally wake them up. In the final design, this may supersede my preference for having the kids near our bedroom. As you go through this exercise, those morning, evening, and weekend outlines will form the basis of the performance programming, and you should have plenty of ideas to get started. Next, you can think about and write down some of the nuances of your family. Here are some more examples to get you thinking. Everyone says that they want a house that's good for parties. Well, that's not always needed. What if you don't actually host parties? What if you only have groups of people over to your house one or two times a year? Wouldn't it seem foolish to design a house that's good to host parties in if you don't actually have them? Other people have large groups over all the time, and those people would need a completely different type of house than the people that don't actually have people over or people that only have guests over in smaller groups. It has become very popular to design a house with an open concept. First off, a little architectural pet peeve of mine, open concept is not actually a design concept, so let's just leave that right out there. For some people, having an open floor plan works great. Other people, let's say families with several children, may want a space that's more divided up, giving everyone their own space. Some people are very organized and put things away. Other people throw down their keys, wallets, purse, bags, shoes, and papers anywhere they can and things pile up. While organization and storage space is always needed, the type of people who just throw things down anywhere and pile things up need the storage and organization to be easier to use and even more convenient than other people. I would also, for these people, recommend limiting the amount of horizontal surfaces. Don't give them extra counter space or de desk space to pile things up. Think of a different way to organize without adding more counters. Some people can keep their house spotless Others, not so much. For me, I cannot stand dusting. I hate dusting more than anything. If I was designing a house for myself, I would avoid all ornate trim because the grooves and gaps in these types of trim collect a lot of dust and I would be spending time each week wiping them down and I would rather be doing anything else. 
People have it in their minds that a master bathroom or any other primary bathroom needs two sinks. Other people, myself included, would never, ever, ever go into a bathroom to get ready when there's another person in there. Not my wife, not my kids, not anyone. I don't brush my hair. I don't brush my teeth. I don't do anything in the bathroom at the same time as anyone else. So in my case, there would never be a purpose to have two bathroom sinks. It would be a waste of space. It would be a waste of money. And that space and money could be used for other things. Some people think that having separate bathrooms for each of their children or a Jack and Jill bathroom, which is separate from a guest bathroom, which is separate from their master bathroom, is the best option. Other people may not have an actual need for all those bathrooms. My opinion is that having bathrooms for each of the kids is a complete waste. And let's not forget, you're going to have to clean all those bathrooms. Are you the type of person who holds dinner parties often? Then a formal dining room may be needed. Are you the type of person who never has dinner parties and only has smaller groups of friends and family over casually? Then you probably don't need a big, expansive dining room. As you can see, there are many ways to think about an ideal house and no two people will have the same answers. Everyone is different and every family is different. I hope you take the time and write out all the specifics about how you actually live. And I hope what we talked about today has made you think about things a little differently. We focus primarily on new residential construction, but there's so much more that goes into performance programming, especially on projects other than residential. You can think about how to use this space differently, how your clients will use the space, how your customers will experience things walking through, what they will see, and how you want them to interact. You can also think of completely different ways to use your standard program, such as how can a library in the 21st century be different than the libraries of the past? Or you can think about performance programming as achieving an energy efficiency or sustainability goal. The most important thing is that when you're first starting off, you do not go into your project with any preconceived notion on the appearance of the house or the floor plan layouts. Think about how you will live in the space or how others will experience the space and then use those as drivers to inform the design. On the Ask an Architect segment, I wanted to do something a little different. Instead of answering a question, I wanted to discuss a topic I saw on a recent YouTube video from Matt Reisinger from The Build Show. If you don't know who Matt is, he's a custom home builder located in Texas, and he is always on top of the latest building sciences and delivering high-quality, energy-efficient construction. His YouTube channel is great, and you should absolutely check it out. On March 31st, 2020, he published a video on rock wool insulation, and I absolutely love using rock wool on my projects wherever I can. Here are just a few benefits to using rock wool insulation. First off, rock wool or mineral wool insulation is fire resistant. Next, it's moisture and water repellent. It's a hydrophobic material that water just runs off of. The comfort bats have a higher R value than your standard fiberglass insulation. 
Mineral wool has good acoustic properties and can stop sound transmission, although it will not stop impact noises. For that, you need to adjust how your wall is assembled. The comfort boards, which are used on the outside of the house, are vapor permeable or vapor open, which is a huge benefit in cold climates. And also, insects will not tunnel through them like they will a traditional rigid foam insulation. The rock wool is a denser, more sturdy product than fiberglass bats, so over time the insulation will not sag in your wall and leave cold spots, and it's made from recycled content. Here are some of the places where you can use rock wool or mineral wool insulation. In the exterior wall of your house between the studs, if you're not using spray foam and want something better than fiberglass bats. Between your garage and the main part of your house to help with fire resistance. The ceiling of your basement to not only give a thermal property, but also an acoustic property and a fire-resistant property as well, which in some states might be required if you're framing with iJoist engineered framing. Another place you can use rock roll insulation is down the inside of your basement foundation wall before finishing your basement. And of course, you can use it on the exterior of the house as a continuous insulation barrier underneath your siding. That's of course, unless you're using an insulated zip sheathing product. up this episode of the home design academy podcast i hope you've enjoyed yourself and learned something along the way make sure to like subscribe and leave a review if you'd like to have your question answered on the ask an architect segment please send an email to hda.n3architect at gmail.com that's hda.n3architect at gmail.com Visit n3architecture.com for all the show notes and other useful information. Tune into the next episode. Thank you and goodbye.